Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we did an interview on the topic of demonology, which is that subject matter, that theology that deals with Lucifer and his devils and how they impact our world and, and what they are and aren't allowed to do. And so uh, today we are going to build upon that conversation. And today we're going to be talking about demonism uh, as it manifests itself in our contemporary world. And we're going to be addressing issues of mysticism and spiritism and, and divination as it plays out uh, within the context of, of our pop culture, but also in the terms of religious settings and, and, and places of worship and, and how these things have begun to creep into our everyday world. And, and so if you need to, go back and listen to that demonology episode to prepare yourself for today's episode. Uh, but with that, I've invited uh, President of LFBI, Sam Miles, and pastor of Midtown Baptist Temple back uh, to discuss this topic with us. And so with that, I want to introduce uh, Pastor Sam Miles. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Good to have you back, man. Yeah, it's good to be back. So we're just going to move right into the new topic uh, as quickly as we can, but I think it is relevant for our students to get just a taste of where we're going to be going. We're going to be talking a lot about this idea of familiar spirits, which is kind of how we closed out the last episode together, is this idea that there are there are these spirits uh, that have the ability to possess and oppress Christians and, and the lost, just Mm-hmm. A, a possess and oppress humanity, if you will. So can you reintroduce us to familiar spirits or the idea of spirits in scripture and explain to us what they do and what their function is? Yeah, so last time we looked at just some of the different words that are used for the the enemy host, mm-hmm. you know, and so in terms of familiar spirits, what are they, where'd they come from, how do they dif- differentiate and... and um, you know, for whatever it's worth, I gave, I you know, like my suspicion mm-hmm. based on the data that we have is that that these familiar spirits, you know, they're they're the disembodied Nephilim from Genesis chapter six. Again, yeah. we know what happens to fallen angels. We know what happens to fallen men who die in their sin, but the Bible doesn't say anything about. What happens to these Nephilim, these giants that were that were the offspring of the celestial taking wives of the terrestrial mm-hmm. and and so you know that's that's my working theory. Um, I think we mentioned that the book of Enoch for whatever value that has, it corroborates that explicitly yeah. states that um, biblically, you know like in Leviticus Leviticus 1931 uh, the Bible says we Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards. Why? To be defiled by them. So people who are operating in league with the demonic, they have the ability to defile God's people, mm-hmm. you know, to be defiled by them. He says, I am the Lord your God. Um, the, the word there is necromancer mm-hmm. in Leviticus 19. It's necromancer. Um, so here's someone who can get secret knowledge from beyond, mm-hmm. right? They're a conjurer, they're a necromancer, they're talking or they're in league with, they're operating with the aid of a ghost. 
Yeah. You know, this familiar spirit. Yeah. And we're going to get like, into a lot of those like, terms that pop yeah, up, yeah. Uh, like, so it, like necromancy. We'll come back to a lot of that. But what you're saying is that these spirits do do yeah. work in relationship with people, whether yeah. they're invited or or maybe they leave space, that maybe they're not yeah. invited explicitly, but they leave space. And so then yeah. there's room for engagement with with the, yeah. the demonic host. And my point is the function is to... Def- it's it's to defile God's people, mm-hmm. you know. That's really what their objective ends up being, according to Leviticus right. nineteen. So it's you know, um, my view is they're the dead nephilim, and you know, you can do with that whatever. Yeah, you want. yeah. And so someone uh, might have yeah. a, a slightly yeah. different theory on yeah. on that yeah, if they sure. want. That's fine. That's yeah. not that's not really yeah. up for debate. But I bet I'm right. Yeah, it's a, it's a super <laughs> it's a super interesting. Um, approach and um because there is we we do have to do something with all of the dead giants that we that we find that that die in the flood those spirits um had to have gone somewhere right and and so it makes sense i remember their function is to corrupt all flesh Mm -hmm. that was the end result in genesis 6 all flesh is corrupted and so here in leviticus it's don't be defiled by them they're still in operation. You think about Samuel or Saul with you know with Samuel going to the witch at Endor. Yeah, you know you see the first. I mean, if you you know first mention of 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 the ministry of the familiar spirit mm-hmm. and uh, what happened. Saul defiles himself. Yeah, with this familiar spirit mm-hmm. with the with the witch at Endor. And what does the Bible say? Oh, that's one of the reasons why God killed him. Yeah. <laughs> Is because he didn't seek the word of the Lord. I mean, he did. He made an attempt, and instead of staying full of faith, he goes and he seeks out this woman with a right. familiar spirit, and God killed him. Yeah, was that was a one, that was on the list of why God took Saul out. Right. Yeah. There was a long yeah. there was a long slippery slide for Saul. There was a long yeah, but that was uh, that was a that was a death nail. That was a bit that was a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Let, let's get right into that because I think you know I want yeah. to spend the bulk of our our time together addressing the way that spiritism manifests itself in the lives of people throughout history and in our contemporary world. And so, mm-hmm. in Scripture, we do see lots of ways in which people engage spirits voluntarily. You just gave us an example of that. So, c- can you tell us about spiritism? And the way that it's described in Scripture, there are several different words that are used in Scripture to describe several different functions or manifestations of these spirits. And so let's talk about maybe just first the words that the Bible uses, and then we can define them a little bit to help our audience. You know, the Bible gives us a a lot of different examples and a lot of different words, right, uh, on how people will follow after a wrong spirit Mm -hmm. (laughs) versus following the the revealed word of God uh, in uh, in the book of Acts in Acts chapter eight, you've got a you've got a sorcerer uh, that's yeah. that's comes from the word magi. You think right. about the the magi and the Medo Persian Babylonian empires. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who he's got he's got um, I mean he's been bewitching the people of Samaria. Samaria uh, Acts eight uh, yeah, eight Simon. says that. That uh, he's called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria. And what's his objective? Giving out that himself was some great one. <laughs> yeah, and the people believed yeah. it. Oh yeah. Apparently, yeah. there's he had historical them under his thrall. Yeah, there's yeah. historical record, and maybe even 
edifices that have been risen to what they believe is Simon in that region yeah. even today. Yeah, yeah, where, where he he was a big yeah. deal enough that they yeah. there were statues devoted to him. Yeah, he was. I mean, yeah, he yeah. was a big deal. But then you got two guys that I mean, you got the apostles showing up in the power of the Holy Spirit, and and he's watching this. You know, mm -hmm. he's seeing everybody that they lay hands on. They're getting the same spirit. The Holy Spirit's right. indwelling them, and and so he sees it and he says, "Give me also this power that." On whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. And and the problem was in the previous verse, he's offering them money. He's like, here, I'm going to do a cash deal. Yeah. And he's got it. I mean, I, right. you know, he's making merchandise to the people. He's right. He's prospering. For he's the trying gospel. to rebrand is the way I always yeah. put it. He wants. He he's well, he wants to his increase business. his repertoire. Yeah. You know, he wants to be able to do that. Same. It, what's the trick? You know, that's what right. he wants to know. What yeah. what 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 rites? What incantations? What you know? What magic do I need to employ? Mm -hmm. I'm willing to buy the formula for that, right? And I want the same power. And you know, we all know the famous response: "Thy money perish with thee." Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, he tells him, you know, repent of your wickedness and pray God that the thought of your heart can be forgiven you. And we know his response. Um, you know, he's, "Hey, pray for me that what you're saying doesn't come upon me." Mm -hmm. And then the story ends there. Then in Acts 16, you've got the Spirit possessed with, or the damsel possessed with the spirit of divination, meeting Paul and his missionary crew, and and she brings her masters much gain by soothsaying. So wait, before we get into that, yeah. So what, like if you were to define the word sorcery yeah. specifically, um, what does that, what does that include? Does that, what's housed within that terminology? Like we know that he was a magi, yeah. he's trained in the order of the Chaldeans, yeah. but... Sorcery would be, well, you, okay, you remember the... Uh, uh, Disney film, The Ma Magician's Apprentice, I think that's right. Mickey Mouse one. is making oh, the mops yeah, yeah, yeah. dance and yeah, all of that. Yeah, that's Fantasia. Uh, okay, yeah, Fantasia. Fantasia. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm not up The on Magician's my Apprentice stuff. is a yeah. subplot within Fantasia. The, the, yeah. psych, the, the psychedelic yeah. film Fantasia. Yeah, even when I was a kid, I didn't it's like it. It's a trip. Yeah. It's a weird. It was weird. It's yeah. a weird. Yeah, that was a herald of things to come. So, anyway. Yeah, right. Um, Mickey's making the, I think he, who, who did he work for? I think he worked for Merlin or something. Yeah, and, I think so. And uh, so he's, he's got to clean up the lab or right. the, yeah. the, the Viper's pit. And so he's, he's working magic, right? Mm -hmm. This sorcerer's apprentice is, is working magic. And so sorcery is the practice of magic. Mm -hmm. uh, so is fundamentally what it is. You know, the magi, these ancient mystery, um, religion, um, magi, right? These guys mm -hmm. who would have these insights, they would have rites, they would have incantations, they would have the ability to use divination. Yeah. You know, it's, they, they were sorcerers. Yeah. They had the ability to do this. And so Simon, he's got some he of this insight. That. He's got some of this, I don't know what he had, but he had enough to come across like he's a big deal. Yeah. And um, people acknowledged he had power. Yeah. Yeah. He was able to do some things, mm -hmm. you know. And so, yeah, sorcery would just be the practice of using witchcraft, magi arts. Yeah. Casting yeah. spells, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then, and then you were going to get into soothsaying. Yeah. Th so this gal, 
made a living. She brought her masters a lot of money. Of course, she's obvious. I mean, she's got a familiar spirit, man. It's a spirit of divination. She's got, I mean, she's she's obviously messed in the head. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's obvious from her reaction to Paul. And his, I mean, she's just Her behavior is peculiar. One statement of truth, and she just can't, she just can't stop. Mm-hmm. She just keeps saying it. She keeps right. saying it to the point where Paul's like, eh, well, she's right, you know? Yeah. And then it's like, sis, come, I mean, shut up. And right. she won't. So he rebukes that spirit, you know, delivers her. Uh, Acts 16, verse 18, but Paul being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And then she loses her ability to soothsay. Yes. Right. So the cash proposition goes away. And so soothsaying right there from the text, you know, it's the practice of divination. Mm-hmm. And that would be a um, I think that's a general Strong's uh, definite, you know, soothsaying is the practice of divination. And mm-hmm. what does that mean? I can now prophesy on some level, I'm prophesying, I'm, there's hidden knowledge, yep. and I'm making it known, this hidden knowledge over your life. And so, you know, uh, a soothsayer is someone who divines, okay? But, but also with that would come, you know, these three things are going to happen to you. In other words, there's some incantation or there's some proclamation that they're making yeah. that's going to, according to the soothsayer, is going to become a reality yeah. in your life. And so, what are they doing? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a substitute for, or it's at enmity with, right? It's, it's in conflict with the word of God. That's right. what needs to be reality right. over my life. So it's, it's, yeah. it's prognostication, whether that be like the reading of a palm. To determine what someone's future might be, or to yeah. the use of tar- the tarot, car- yeah, use of tarot cards, of in that. Yeah. Um, to yeah. tell someone the, astro- the, the work of astrology would fall into that realm of, mm-hmm. of soothsaying, where yeah. I'm gonna, I am going to um, declare some sort of future truth over your life. Yeah, and you're right; it, it comes in conflict with the prophetic word yeah. of scripture a, that speaks over our life. Yeah, it's a it's Bible substitute. It's yeah. Bible preaching substitution. And all of it's a subset of divination, mm-hmm. you know. So hidden things made known. And that's what whether it's tarot cards, whether it's a pendulum, mm-hmm. um, a Ouija board, a yeah. person that you're turning into a Ouija board, you know, whatever it is, you're 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 re- according to the diviner, you're bringing to light hidden information, and the Bible clearly reveals that that works through. A spirit of divination, yeah. you know, for a familiar spirit. And for our audience, yeah. I think it's important to know that sometimes the result is a truth, Absolutely. and sometimes it's a lie. Yeah, yeah. The devil's not yeah. above that. He yeah. likes to mingle his yeah. truths yeah. with lies. And, and so, and he'll give you truth that you know is truth, mm-hmm. and then that sells, that absolutely sells the lie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important for us to know, um, I, don't, I don't have the statistics right in front of me, but there is an increase uh, in people participating in soothsaying specifically in our, in our, our American world today. There's, there's a, a steady increase year over year, a two and a half to five percent increase year over year in people's the interest use of in this. Ouija boards, tarot cards. You can get them at the Target, bro. You can I get mean, a Ouija board at Target like it's nothing. Oh, I believe it. Like it's uh, yeah. bananagrams yeah. or whatever. Bananagram. What's a bananagram? Isn't that like a game that people play? I don't know. I have no clue. Yeah, All right. Is that right? Bananagrams? Yeah. Banana Bananagram is a game that, that, that the young people like to play. Or like uh, it's Scrabble. Oh, Ouija boards. Yeah. I know it's, Scrabble. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. just like that. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Until uh, you you didn't close the door, apparently, and 
now you got someone messing with you. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. we'll get into that here in a minute. <laughs> yeah. So then uh, there's another term that comes up in scripture, and you already mentioned earlier in the episode, which is necromancy. Yeah, same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I'm talking to a familiar spirit, and it is weird, right? Um, let me uh, find my my passage again. Yeah. So Le- again, Leviticus 19:31. Regard not them that have familiar spirits, mm-hmm. right? Them that are necromancers, right? <laughs> right. Them that have familiar spirits. Okay. So, like, I think there's enough popular um, material out there, yeah. you know, in the culture today. People know what necromancy is. Somehow, uh, in in like the science fiction stories, a necromancer is someone who raises the dead, and now you got a zombie horde unleashed. And, right. You know. Okay. Well, what are you doing? A, a necromancer is someone who is interacting with the dead. Yeah. Right, they're a mediator between yeah. the, between li- the living yeah. and the dead, and so so that's the the word that the Bible uses for someone using a familiar spirit. Oh yeah, they're a necromancer, which again mm-hmm. goes into that. I mean, that's just another data point for the column that says these familiar spirits are the spirits of these nephilim, right? That are doomed. They hate man. They're on the earth to defile man. That's what they were doing when they were on the earth. They were functioning to see all flesh defiled uh, before the Lord. And and so what was happening in Genesis 6, not just spiritually, but physically, well, spiritually, that's taking place through the practice of divination. Right. There's something dead that they're interacting with to give them the ability now to give secret knowledge. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's a Gnostic component to it. Right. I have this insight because I have this, they think they have this power, this ability to be able to declare what's really true or what's really going on. And, mm-hmm. and so whether that's through tarot cards or... Right. So here's, yeah. here's a question I have that's related to this. Because historically, I have um, believed that, that in the case of necromancy, that a lot of times that the spirits or the, the, the undead, that the medium whether in a seance or whatever practice they use to, to, to conjure up these beings. I, I've always or historically believed that these were false spirits. These were, these were spirits of the dead Nephilim. And there's just lies being like traded back and forth between this medium and, and a, a spirit, uh, the spirit that's lying to them or, or providing them with information that it's not actually the undead, right? But... Mm. Uh, which may or may not be true. Again, that's just theoretical. But but we do see in the case of Saul that the necromancer does appear to conjure the dead spirit, this this dead spirit of uh, Samuel himself. Can you can you walk us through that story and explain to us why you personally, because I know you'd believe that, that that was actually Samuel. Yeah, I I believe that because that's what the text says. Yeah. Right. So again, this would be, I think I mentioned this earlier, this was the first use of divination in ministry, mm-hmm. if I can pull out my air quotes. Right. So that's, that story's from 1 Samuel 28. Mm-hmm. Uh, in verse 3, Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits. So it's outlawed in Israel. Uh, he put away those that had familiar spirits so and the hiding. wizards out of the land. Yeah, she's yeah. in hiding. So she's, the witch is hiding out in the indoor, which is mm-hmm. like... A cool name if you're a witch. The witch. Indoor is the place a witch would live, yeah, for sure. It, uh, yeah, it just sounds like... Evil. 
yeah. sheer evil. So something Tolkien would write. Yeah. You know? So anyway. Um, Mordor is right. Is Mordor. Uh, Mordor, in, Indor, <laughs> Indor. Yeah. If it ends yeah. in D-O-R, yeah, it sounds it's, suspicious. It's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in verse five, Saul sees the enemy, sees the host of the Philistines, and he's afraid. And his heart greatly trembled. Mm-hmm. And this is what I think is really interesting. Verse six is when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not. So he did seek the Lord, but the Lord answered him not. So it's like this. It's like, um, um, you know, he's been just doing nothing but offending the Lord mm-hmm. for years now, right? And so he's like, God, what do I do? And of course it's quiet. <laughs> of right. course the answer is yeah, quiet. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't humble himself before Which is the Lord. true about us too. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. It, it, Every, everybody follows this pattern. Yeah. yeah. And so you're, you know... You bark orders at the Lord, and then you wonder why you're not getting anywhere. Right. Yeah. The requirement is we have to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Right. So, you know, he inquires of the Lord. The Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. So God didn't give me an answer. So he says to his servants, seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go in to her and inquire of her. And the servants know. Obviously, they've been put out of the land, but people are still getting the services of this witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Behold, there's a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. So Saul disguises himself, and he goes to the woman one night, and he says, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit. So Saul knows how this works. Mm -hmm. So here is a familiar spirit that has the ability to communicate to other dead spirits, Mm -hmm. right? Divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him up whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said, you know, what are you talking about? I can't do that. You know, Saul, you know, the king put all, all the people that are using familiar spirits right. on the land. And Saul's like, look. She was worried this dude was a narc. Yeah. Saul's <laughs> like, look, I know what you're doing. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I've got some pull. Right. <laughs> you know. So she does it. The king said to her, be not afraid for what sawest thou. Okay. What happened? The woman's like, okay, fine. I'll do it. Who do I bring up? the prophet Samuel. So she does it. And what's interesting is when the woman, the, this is how the text puts it in verse 12. When the woman saw Samuel, that's the narrative, okay? Mm-hmm. Nobody's saying anything. Yeah. The text, the Bible says, when the woman saw, here's the name, Samuel. Yeah. When she saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. In other words, she's expecting the usual, you know, I'm getting a message, Mm-hmm. Here's what he's, you know, she wants to be the intermediary, um, which is typical, you know, these, these like these seances. Right. You know, um, I'm sensing her ears a grandfather. Into, yeah, 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 yeah. And she's, you know, she knows in her knower what this spirit is saying or what, however it works. Okay. Right. So. This so goes beyond what she sees. She to. sees him. Yeah. And she flips, you know. And so she then knows that this is Saul and the whole, okay. I, the woman said unto Saul and, and notice what the. What her perspective is in verse 13, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. Mm-hmm. So these would be these celestial beings. It's like, um, in, uh, you know, you remember, um, you remember Stephen's sermon in Acts chapter 7, and uh, God gives them over to worship these other gods. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, was it Remphan? Mm-hmm. That's uh, the Egyptian god yeah. that, that uh, the Babylonians would call uh, Molech, mm-hmm. right? Remphan, Molech. Uh, Remphan has a star, the star of David. You made mm-hmm. it. Uh, Amos says you made it your own. You know mm-hmm. they're they're incorporating that into their into their worship and and uh, 
the Bible calls these celestial being lowercase, they're Elohim, you know, they're yeah. lowercase g gods. Yeah. And so I saw these gods. So what had to happen? Um, something had to happen beyond the familiar spirit's capacity. I saw gods ascending up out mm-hmm. of the earth. Somebody had to go. Oh, it'd be like this uh, in Luke's gospel. You've got a rich man, you got yeah. Lazarus. Right. Nobody carried the rich man to Abraham's bosom. Right. Right. Somebody carried Lazarus to Abraham's bosom. Somebody had to go get mm-hmm. Samuel. There's like a retriever. Yeah. I saw yeah. gods, yeah. right? Ascending up out of the earth. And he said to her, well, of what form is he? And she said, an old man cometh up and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. Again, that's the commentary. That's what the text says. Mm-hmm. Saul perceived that it was Samuel. Mm-hmm. Not false. Saul said it was Samuel. And he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. Verse 15, and Samuel said to Saul. Right. That's the narrative. Right. Samuel said to Saul, why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm freaked out. The enemy's coming and I can't get an answer from the Lord and God's departed uh, from me. I mean, Saul admits it. Verse 16, then said Samuel. Again, that's the narrative. That's right. what the Bible is saying. Then said Samuel, wherefore then dost thou seek or ask of me, seeing the Lord has departed from thee and has become thine enemy, mm-hmm. right? Because thou obeyest, verse 18, because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord. Why would God give you his word when you won't do what he says anyway, mm-hmm. right? So the text calls him Samuel. Right. Yeah, and right? I think, that, I think so you're right. So that's why I believe it. I, and, I, and I agree yeah. with you. Uh, I, yeah. I think, so one of the, um, the uh, best writings, theological writings on the, the topic of demonology was done by Unger, Fantastic book. I mean, very, very thorough. When he comes to this issue, he explains it away uh, because he has a hard time believing that God would allow this to happen, I think is what it ultimately yeah, comes down yeah. to because it is such a strange, yeah. and if str- I'm, strange, it's been unique. Like 20 years ago since I read Unger, but I yeah. think he believes like demons or he, fallen he, angels. And, yeah, 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 yeah. And so that's, that's where he's at. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, he believes that this is a false image yeah. um, of, a, of, a, of Samuel. Can, but, I, yeah, can I give you a... An awesome cross-reference for this story. Yeah. So in the Chronicles, you get insight into what happened in this story. Mm-hmm. First Chronicles 10, 13 says, So Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord. That's always the mm-hmm. offense. Yeah, and you remember the story in Saul's life. God gave him his word. He didn't obey it. Yeah. So God removes him from being king. He's going to have someone, a man after his own heart. That's who he's going to employ. To, to, to shepherd yeah. the flock, right? Um, so even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, Saul died for his transgression against the Lord and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it mm. and inquired not of the Lord. Therefore, he slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse, right? So Saul did, inqu- I mean, in the narrative, he did inquire. The problem is, is A, he's got a history of not obeying the word, B, he never humbles himself. There's yeah. no repentance, right. Right? right? There's there's nothing where, I mean, you've got kings that that get right. They weep before the Lord, and so the Lord gives them space, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So not Saul. And so, so that- No importunity. Yeah. You know? First hard time, he's- Yeah. Let's go he's find a witch. Truth. <laughs> yeah. And I think this is actually a great transition into my, my next question, because um, in, in our world today, obviously, 
the church has abandoned the truth of scripture in favor of experientialism and mm -hmm. uh, feeling-based, emotion-based religious activity. Mm -hmm. And so in many ways, the, the church, even the Baptist church, is often um, you know, looking, looking for an experience in their faith to the neglect of or the um, offense of scripture itself. Yeah. They're doing just as Saul did. Yeah. So in what ways do you see this manifesting itself in our in our church in the church today and in Christianity today? In what ways are we playing with spiritism and mysticism in the context of um, our religious activity and uh, and what we what we're calling our Christianity? Yeah. So in Ephesians 4:27, Paul tells the church, neither give place to the devil. And that word place means an actual room mm -hmm. or a space. Don't give him a dwelling. Right. right. Neither give place to the devil. Don't give him latitude to operate. Why? Why is I mean, that's a command to Christians. Neither give place to the devil. Why does he give that? Oh, because you can. Mm -hmm. You can make space for the devil to operate. And you got, you know, I think this group yeah, uh, is pretty savvy, right? We know that's how it started in the beginning. You've got the word of God memorizable in just a few seconds. Yeah. It's Adam whole, and Eve had simple commands. It's a it's a small Bible at that point. Mm -hmm. Very easy to, to to keep it all straight. And what does Satan do? He completely twists it in Genesis chapter three. So he's replacing right for the word of God his his opinions, his interpretations. He rests the scriptures. Uh, Eve joins him in that, and so that's what that's what happens if we don't cling to obeying the voice of the Lord, if we don't cling to scripture, now we've automatically made room for the enemy to operate in. Mm -hmm. And that takes, man, all kinds of forms. Man, in the last days, it's everything from the doctrines of devils to all forms of science, falsely so-called. And these things are now, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, like the, the collective uh, commentary or the collective opinion on what's happening is, is, yeah, the Bible's awesome, but look at everything else right. God has given us. Look at all yeah. these other things that are in God's creation. Look at all these other things that God makes available to us as his people for us to richly enjoy, for us to greatly benefit from. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at the automobile. Look at flight. Look at the power of flight. Aren't these things incredible blessings? Mm -hmm. And then from there, you extrapolate into, well, there's the Bible, there's these other religious writings, there's there's a faith-based way of living, a faith-based practice, but then there's this scientific way of living. And and yeah. what ends up happening is, is we end up actually explaining away the Bible in favor for doctrines of devils, science right. falsely so-called. Right. Yeah. And what you hear yeah. the line a lot is is this idea or concept, it's phrased different ways. All truth is God's truth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um yeah. which does not Yeah, if it's true. If it's true, then, then it's, it's of God's God, truth. then it's of God, which yeah. which yeah. okay, so while all things are true and God contains all truth and knows all truth, it doesn't mean that every truth that is available to us is of God. Yeah. Right? You yeah. don't you can't just tag yeah. his slap his name on or it and call it is truth that we're held accountable to as a requirement for living in obedience to the yeah, Lord. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think when Adam yeah. and Eve took of the tree and they suddenly saw 
the, the, they wanted hidden truth. That's what they were after. They yeah. wanted to see yeah. something the way that God yeah. could see it. And their eyes were open to the fact, they saw yeah. all truth suddenly, well, and but some of it was evil. What did the devil <laughs> tell them? He says, God doth know. Yeah. Did God know? Yeah, God knew. Mm-hmm. They you eat thereof, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Right. Absolutely true. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but they did it in disobedience. Right. 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 They, uh, they were told not to eat it. Right. And that's it. At the end of the day, they were told not to eat it. And that's yeah. the thing, is that yeah. there are prohibitions on certain things. Yeah. Whether they're true or not, whether they're, they yeah. work or not, yeah. is not up for yeah. debate. Yeah. What God says is off limits yeah. is off limits. And so... Yeah, just just because something works doesn't mean it's biblical. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And so with that in mind... Yeah. So everything from church growth to Christian counseling, mm-hmm. you've got all these man-made engines and man-made philosophies and approaches, and then you've got these satanic deceptions right. that work. And I mean, and God's people, because they're not biblically discerning, they try to, empl- I mean, they bite hook, line, and sinker, and they try to employ these things and say, this can help the church. Yeah. Instead of just, you know, it's like Acts chapter 7 again, or no, it was Acts chapter 6. Uh, they need... The, like the church immediately, uh, 3,000 come to Christ. Mm-hmm. That would have ate my lunch in a heartbeat. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, there's 12 apostles. Okay, so they got capacity. Then there's 5,000, and then it's multitudes. Yeah. This is beyond their ability to pastor these people. And so now there's this, this murmuring over how the Grecian widows are receiving mm-hmm. the daily uh, benefits and, 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 and support. And, and so what do they say? We need the office of deacon. Why? Because we cannot get distracted from the ministry of prayer and the uh, word. Yeah. Right? We need, we need, we have to be connected to God and we have to have productive pulpits, man. Right. Right? Yeah. We have to be preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit. So they do this. And what is the response of scripture? Right? They employ the deacons and then the word, right? Yeah. Man, I mean, Multiplies. the word grows mightily, the yeah. disciples multiply greatly. That's where power from ministry comes from. Mm-hmm. So there are people are trying to substitute for the commands, the principles, the precepts of God's word, all of these other philosophies and approaches and engines right. uh, of of work, and say, let's let you know, let's be let's be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Mm-hmm. There's some things that we could be doing that would greatly help the church, and we end up relying on those things instead of relying on clearly what scripture says right. the church should use and employ in pastoral ministry. And so I think in the world, when people engage with spirits or demons, yeah. there's many, many different motivations for why the world might do that, right? Like well, they, they want hidden truth. They want, yeah. they, yeah. some of it's just per, for the sake of perversion that they've been taught. Some of it's been handed down to them. There's many reasons why they, but in the church, it's interesting. We justify it and, and very easily. And we often... At the end of the day, I think what we're trying to do is shortcut God's promises for the church. We mm-hmm. want what we think we're supposed to have now. We, yeah. You know, and a lot of times it's like big churches, effective counseling ministries, effective discipleship ministries, and we're willing to do things that are shortcuts to get them. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, that means even engaging, engaging in wickedness like this. Yeah. Let's take a moment right here to hear from Pastor Mike Renault of Living Faith Boston. Hi, I'm Mike Renault, pastor at Living Faith in Boston, Massachusetts. And if you're considering learning the Word of God, Living Faith Bible Institute would be a good place for you. The good thing about LFBI is that you're not just learning from 
an academic standpoint. You're learning from actual practitioners that do in fact know the book. These are pastors and men who are leading churches, doing the work themselves, and so they can give you a firsthand real-life knowledge of what it means to learn the Bible in that context. Some of you may have a call in your life for the pastorate uh, to be a missionary, to serve the Lord in other parts of the world. Living Faith Bible Institute can prepare you in a way that you can be equipped with the Word of God and given practical tools, being held accountable in your ministry right where you're at. If you're interested in learning more or you want to enroll in LFBI, go to lfbi.org. And now back to the show. Uh, there's a gal out of Cal- uh, Colorado that says, she, you know, basically admits in her book on um, the sp- it's a, it's a, it's, it's called Splunkna. It's a, mm-hmm. a protocol. She calls it a protocol for counseling. And basically, in her book, she makes the case for, I don't think they publish this as much now, but originally she made the case for redeeming divination. Mm-hmm. And her whole, you know, her whole justification for the whole thing is, is yeah, divination has uh, a negative, there's a negative connotation and it's forbidden in scripture. Why? Well, the only way that divination can work is because it works. God allows it to work. It functions in terms of the parameters and the structure that God sets up in creation. So if witchcraft, you know, if God's so against witchcraft, why does he let it work at all? Yeah, this is her logic. Yeah, this is her logic. Yeah. And so, you know, again, if it's true, it's God's truth. If right. it works, why does it work? Right. Because you know, God let it work. Okay. Yeah. Why is he against it? Oh, yeah, because they were all in rebellion against God and God's pe- yeah. kingdom. Witchcraft's God's, not bad. God's people. Witchcraft's bad when it's used for bad purposes. Yes, that's it's why, good the, when it's that's used why for there's a purposes. prohibition against it in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And she's basically the case that she makes in her book is, is we're redeeming this uh, for the kingdom. Yeah. We're going to redeem this. So instead of being an enemy of God, so here's a gal who has no testimony of salvation in her book, um, makes the claim that she's always had a relationship with God. Uh, she's part of the Church of Christ, which believes salvation comes through obedience and baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a gal who is saying that that we're going to redeem witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Now we're using it, so this is a good thing. We're going to use it, you know, for God, for God's kingdom, and and to help God's people. And so that makes it okay, right? Huh. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, well, then where do we stop? Yeah, that. Logic. What else can we redeem? Right. <laughs> Good. What else could work? There's a to short, solve problems? There's a short list of sins that I'd like to redeem. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, God said, "Don't do it." Right. You know, the That's word of God makes couldn't be more clear. Yeah. Yes. She has no yeah. theological basis for no, anything that she's no. saying, but she has she, found something that is effective and does she, work at some level. And so, what we've seen, she's found something that gives a response. Yes. That's the part that's spooky. Is there may be a lot of working, and there may be a lot of true data that comes out of that. But what's also couched in all of that, at best, it's pseudoscience. There's no, there's no, you know, all of this energy healing. Yeah. Okay. All, th- this whole realm, everything from energy healing to, to you know, unblocking, <laughs> right? You know, yeah, making sure all chi, the, setting your chi right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, make, making sure that that everything, all your energy is flowing properly. Okay. All of that. The best case that you can make is it helps people chill out and relax. There's no. Like you're not going to fix your liver with energy healing. No. You're not going to 
you're you're not going to overcome wrong thinking with energy healing, right? You're not going to have purpose for your life. You're not, right. Nobody, like stereotypically, all of the studies show people who deal with depression, energy healing does not solve it. It chills them out in the moment. Yeah. Um, like it can help you relax. Mm-hmm. Like that's the best case I think that I've seen in terms of studies that are that have been done out there on this. It's all pseudoscience. It's all it's all science falsely so called. It's science because they say it's science. You know, and, and, and some of the proponents of like the Splunkner protocol say, oh, the reason it works is because of quantum physics. Like, right. oh, you know that you're 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 a you're a Splunkner practitioner, but you're also an expert on quantum physics. Quantum physicists don't know how quantum physics right, work, right? Right? Like yeah. they, they don't have their heads around it quantum, fully. Quantum physics but, has one f- foot in metaphysics. But a pastor here in town, absolutely, sure, is convinced. They got it. It's, yeah, like come on. Yeah, and I think <laughs> that's the there's, there's all kinds yeah. of ways of explaining it for yeah. sure. But then you yeah. you have to constantly be confronted with the fact that the word of God says something. So we're back to what Saul did. Yeah, you're right. The word yeah. of God said something, and and he chose not yeah. to adhere to the to yeah. the simple truths of Scripture, yeah. for the sake of something that he thought might work. Yeah, it offended God. Yeah, it's one of the reasons God took Saul out. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's serious stuff. So, Saul was trying to redeem divination for the kingdom, man. I mean, the Philistines were coming to wreck everything. Sure. And he's trying to redeem divination back to help the kingdom of God. Yeah. God took a dim view. That, that's yeah. all he was ever trying to do, <laughs> right? And, and he just wanted to help God. Yeah. He wanted to help God's people. Yeah. By not obeying the word of God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it's like, you know, and if it is such a great, if, if all of these pseudosciences, which is the best way I know how to describe it, okay, but so many function as divination mm-hmm. or function just like divination functions, all right? Um, if these things are so valuable, how come Moses didn't employ them? He, you know, he was schooled in all the wisdom sure, of Egypt, of Egypt, yeah. right? Like he went to the best college. I mean, these guys calculated the distance to the sun. They had math down cold. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, they didn't have all the math that we have now today, but I mean, like these guys were brilliant. Of course, right. they also said, uh, you know, if you got a splinter, you can't get out, mix uh, some crud together with some poop and put that on there. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, they didn't have it all down. <laughs> they didn't have it all down. Their science was not great. Their <laughs> but, pseudoscience... Fantastic. But <laughs> they didn't, they learned, I mean, the Egyptians were critical in figuring out how to capture time and, and calendars and Oh like, man, like they had insight. They had insight. Yeah. Okay. But what they also had was insight into mystery religion. Yes. Okay. Egypt, Babylon, these guys, man, they had the hookup from guys like Molech and sure. Remfan, uh, yeah. Renfan. And so, you know, they, they, they know some things. This is Tower okay. of Babel stuff. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is Nebuchadnezzar. Right data that mm-hmm. they've got access mm-hmm. to, you know Nebuchadnezzar. You don't want to. You don't want to be in the herd following Nebuchadnezzar because you come to a fork in the road. Which way do we go? Slaughter a sheep. Look in the liver. Yeah. You know the Bible says he right. looked in the liver. Yeah. Why? Because he's an adherent of these mystery religion sure. practices, and they absolutely employed divination. Mm-hmm. Well, how come Moses isn't using divination? Why isn't Paul using divination in pastoral ministry? Here comes a gal with a with a spirit of divination, and Paul wrecked it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. The scripture couldn't be more clear. Mm-hmm. It's not for God's people to employ. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a work of the Gnostics, ultimately. Yeah. And, and yeah. We, we can't be yeah. a part of that. So, you know, if we're, if we're counseling and you have a problem, we can, we can meet for several weeks, and I can do what the Bible says. And in meekness, right, I can try to 
communicate God's truth to you, peradventure you come to the acknowledging of the truth, right? Mm -hmm. So that you can then recover yourself out of the snare of the devil. And for me to do that, right, I have to be patient, I have to be meek, and I have to just keep showing up, speaking truth and love. I have to keep giving you the the knowledge of what Scripture says. You've got a problem. Yeah. Here's what the Bible says about it. No shortcuts. Here's what the Bible says. Yeah, and that takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes talking, right? There's a medium through which all that takes place, okay? So that's like walking. But man, we could get on a jet plane, and I could just do some muscle testing on you. I don't even have to say anything. I can just think a grid or a pattern at you, and I'll get information that sure. you may or may not know about, or it may be information that you do know about, you just never told me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going on and what the solution is, and we can have this whole thing solved in one session. Right. Well, that's what I did when I practiced divination as a kid. Yeah, tell us you about know? that. I was hoping we get into that that narrative just a little bit. You've got experience with this firsthand. It's yeah. not like this is all. This isn't yeah. theoretical or just theological for you. No. You 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 went through this as a kid. My family did it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I grew up poor, uh, well provided for. You know, my dad was a great provider. Actually, he built a big house. We had a large garden. Uh, he made a good living. Yeah, you know, Cash I lived poor, well. Though. But we came from yes, a long line of poor hillbillies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you know, I don't know how far back it goes, but I know my great granddad was really good at divination. You know, like it's just how poor people get by, you know, if you've lost something, you know, somebody with a stick can show up and walk right to it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to dig a well in the Ozark Mountains, I mean, all of our gardens, you're, you're gardening rocks as much as anything. Okay. You're not just going to go dig a hole. You want to know, you know, you a guy need, that's good at divination can need walk right to yeah. the best place to dig that hole. He'll tell you what kind of soil it is how deep you got to go to hit water. I mean, like, why would you waste time? You'll even see it here in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. You'll see guys walking around with rods working for, for the, the water city, department, yeah. mm-hmm. and they'll mark. And they've got an explanation for you that is oh, yeah. quasi-scientific. Yeah, it's magnetism. Right. You know, they got a copper rod. They're walking around with two copper rods or a copper rod, and they're finding the water pipes mm. in the ground because of magnetism. Um, just as an experiment, get some copper and a magnet and just see what you think. Okay. Or wooden rods, you know, oh, it's electric currents. But they have, they know, they, they, they do not know any of that. It's just what they're guessing is the answer for why do my sticks come together at this spot? Right. If I move over a foot, they quit pulling. Mm -hmm. So you got people working for public utilities that don't know it, but they're actually getting help. Yeah. They're employing divination to do their nine to five mm-hmm. instead of, you know, actually doing the hard work of using science, actual right. science to find where those pipes are buried or looking at plans to get close. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so my favorite thing was to use a pendulum because it was easy and very dramatic. Uh, it would, you know, it's been, you'll have to forgive me. It's been almost 40, well, probably 40 years ago, um, I would have a pendulum and it would swing when it was working and it's waiting swing for around me. around in, in a sphere. In a, in a circle, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and so it would swing in a circle while it was waiting for me to think. Okay, so what I would do is I would basically interview a subject. And what's dramatic is if you have them hold their hand out and you hold the pendulum over, over them. There, yeah. But you don't have to. Right. Like, bro. Like, I didn't know it at the time. It's a familiar spirit. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of latitude. But I would think 
a grid of yes, no questions at that person or about that person and the pendulum will respond. So it swings one way. That's one answer. You get a yes or no mm-hmm. response. And then there's like a figure eight I think I had and, you know, different ways that the thing would, would, would swing would give me feedback on about what I was thinking, mm-hmm. which was that tell you? I mean, even to this day, that scares the tar out of me. You know, Satan put it in Judas's heart to betray Jesus. Mm-hmm. How, like Ephesians 4.27, man, neither give place to the devil. Don't right. give him room to operate. I was doing that even after I came to Christ. I was still practicing divination yeah. as a believer, okay? So I would think these questions at people and... My, you know, the, the most dramatic one is, is if you find a middle-aged woman and you tell her, don't tell me, I want to give you the birth order of your children. I thought like that was the neatest trick ever mm-hmm. because the emotional response was so big. And so you'd do this and, and I would be thinking the order and I'd be getting boy, girl, boy, you know, so I give it, I get the, I get everything and it would start going in a circle. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. So then I'd say to the, to the mother, Something along the lines, you had a boy, a boy, a girl, and a boy. And then they'd look at me and like, well, that's close, but that's not right. I had a boy, a girl, and a boy. And I'd be like, oh, wait, just a second. So then I'd think some more. And then I'd come back with, oh, yeah, that, that, that second between your boy and your girl, you had a miscarriage. Yeah. And you just need to know it was a little boy. Mm-hmm. And then they think about it, then the look of shock, and then they start crying. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you had insight. I had this secret knowledge pride. that I could, yes. And, and it was very impactful for the person. Now, do I know? Did the familiar spirit know? Man, I don't know. Could have been anything. They're, again, we're outnumbered. I think we talked about that last yeah. time. Yeah. They probably are networked on some level to find out what this idiot hillbilly is doing and trying to impress someone with his, uh, I'm Simon, mm-hmm. you know, I'm right. I'm presenting myself like I'm this great being. Right. Right. I want power. I want that power. Okay. The idiot is trying to find out what do we know about this late. Okay. Do they know? I don't know if they do, but it's a miscarriage. They can say whatever they want. Uh, I'm giving this secret knowledge. I don't know if it's true or not. Right. Neither do you. There's no way to verify it. But man, she believes it. It's impactful. It's emotional. I feel like I'm a god among men. And so this, yeah. you you didn't let go of this so easy. I mean, tell, tell yeah. about how this yeah. kind of stopped in your life but then manifested itself again yeah. later, later a on. A believing family member, the way I remember it is a believing family member. I think it was one of my aunts had said, you know, that's actually demonic what you're doing. And I'm like, I I was, I scorned her. You know, I'm like, what are you talking about? No, it's it's... Again, like all these other guys out there who want to just believe what they want to believe in order to justify something that is contrary to scripture, I said it's biochemistry. Mm. <laughs> like I knew. Like I, that was like your, your 15 year old brain came up yeah, with. Yeah, so I was probably 12, uh, no more than 14. Okay. Okay. And I said, uh, no, it's biochemistry. You know, I don't know how it works, but it's obviously biochemistry. In other words, I'm an X man. <laughs> right. Right. I, yeah. have a, I have a superpower. Right. <laughs> and she says, if you really want to know, like if there's any doubt in your mind that it might be demonic and you really want to know, command it to stop in Jesus' name and just watch what happens. And I'm like, okay. And so what I'm thinking is, is if I command it to stop, it'll actually stop, right? So I got it going. 
and it's working and now it's, it's spinning in a circle. And so what I think is going to happen is I'm going to command this pendulum to stop in Jesus name. And the, you know, inertia being what it is, what it'll do is it'll just slowly wind down. Right. Mm -hmm. It'll just slowly come, you know, how things, an object in motion tends to stay in motion. But if my biochemistry stops because I'm an X-man, I have some superpower that I don't fully understand, but you know, so it's going to quit exerting force at the command on this object. Right. Or just my will. Yeah. Right. It's going to slowly wind down. So I put it through its paces and it's talking to me. I know it's working well. And so then it's now waiting for me to think at it. And so I just say out loud, I command you to stop in Jesus name. That thing is going in a big arc like this. And whenever I commanded it to stop in Jesus name, it slammed to a dead drop stop. I mean, just stiffened up immediately. Right. Just stopped dead, dead still. I dropped it and I said, I repent. I recant it. Jesus, I am sorry. I will never do it again. Mm. And from that day to this day, I have never, ever employed divination. I never will. I will never do anything that that purports itself to be science, mm-hmm. which I know there's no double blind studies to prove healing efficacy for any of these energy healing protocols. Mm-hmm. These science is falsely, um, no, I I can't be within a thousand yards of that because I quit divination, but that familiar spirit did not quit me. Mm -hmm. And there was a season in my life where, you know, our whole family repented of divination. We all quit, but we went through a season where um, like pictures would move on the wall many blinds would come out over people while they're sleeping. I mean, this is like crazy stuff. Yeah, at the point in your life yeah. where discipleship was beginning to happen in your life and, and, and you were beginning to get some momentum in ministry, well, actually, these spirits show up again. It actually seemed like it just had died off. Like I thought, oh, it, it, it gave up. Mm-hmm. You know, we resisted the devil. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, whenever I got serious about discipleship, I was actually slated for my first ever... Um, mission trip. Mm-hmm. It was right after communism fell in Romania, and and um, the church was asking for help for training, and and so our church was sending teams in, and uh, I was training to learn how to present, how to teach people to make disciples. Okay, I was still in the process of discipleship myself, and I'm going to teach how discipleship mm-hmm. works on mm-hmm. this mission trip. We weren't super organized in the early days, you know, but I'm going to go. Yeah, I felt the burden. I thought I. I I mean, I felt like I was supposed to go and, and uh, since that it was, would have been the Lord's will for me to go and, and man, all hell broke loose. I started hearing voices. <laughs> uh, there was something laughing. I was having bizarre dreams. Uh, I would get, um, you know, we, in our family, we called it the dream. Um, sleep paralysis is yeah. actually a, a good thing. Your brain is supposed to disconnect physically uh, from your body. To get That's rest. why when people have yeah. bad dreams, you know, the best they can do is a you right. know, a twist. Stuck. That's so you don't murder your spouse in your in your sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, um, most people they have sleep paralysis. They wake up and they're like, I can't move. You know, the most doctors will tell you, well, just go back to sleep and when you wake up, you'll you'll be fine. You mm-hmm. know, because you everything reconnects and you start moving. And okay, for us, what would happen is is you'd lay down to go to sleep, and then it's like something's on you, it's hissing at you. It's, it's like being electrocuted, being smashed. 
it's like the worst form of sleep paralysis you can imagine. We call it the dream in our family, and, and uh, it's horrible. And I think somebody did a documentary about sleep paralysis and, mm-hmm. and how everybody has a negative experience. Uh, these people that are like, they're lucid, they're awake. So like, you could be in the room. If I fell asleep on the couch, I could tell you what you guys were talking about. But the whole time there, I'm paralyzed, you know, and, 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 it, and, and it would be like this panic where you're trying to say, leave in Jesus' name. And it was weird. Like if you could make even mumble the name Jesus, it would quit. <laughs> you know, it was just a weird, horrible experience. And, uh, and so I was going through all of that. Uh, one time I woke up, I saw something fly up into the, into the, you know, off of me into the, to the ceiling of my home. And my sister saw the same thing. A friend of mine at that time described that same thing that I saw looking in his window. We were talking after church one night and I hear this laughing. It's like, it's way out in the woods. And I know it's just, I'm either going crazy or it's this thing that's, that, that's mad because I'm, I fired it mm-hmm. and I'm not, you know, and I'm, and I've got the audacity to try to serve God with my life, you know? And, uh, he says, do you hear that? And I'm like, wait, you can hear that. What do you hear? And he goes, I hear laughing. Like it's off out in the woods. And I'm like, you can hear that. He's like, yeah. He says, is that, that's you, isn't it? And I'm like, what do you mean? No, I'm standing here talking to you. And he's like, no, somehow this, since you and I started getting serious about ministry together, something's been messing with me. And he says, I saw something outside my window the other night. And he described this thing that I saw when I rebuke, finally got a rebuke mm-hmm. in Jesus name. And it flies up into the ceiling. He saw the same entity. He saw the same thing. And he's like, okay, bro, I just got married. I got to have a family. I'm trying to raise a family. I don't need this. Just you and I are officially done until you go talk to the pastor and you find out what the answer is for this. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it hits me. I'm like, wow, you know, I'm being demonized. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not this, I'm not the smartest guy, you know, <laughs> finally hits me. I'm being demonized. What in the world? And so I'm thinking, I can't go on this trip. If I go on this trip, like what you will this thing everything. do? I'll jeopardize yeah. everything. And these poor people who've been oppressed and and uh, I mean, they've had a, a, a human person demonizing them for years. And, you know, like, wh- what if it wrecks the whole trip? So I go to Alan Shelby. He's my pastor. And he's the college and career pastor at KCBT at the time. And I just go to him and I explain everything I explained to you and why. And, he, and I'm like, I've already paid for the trip. I'll pay to have it transferred into somebody else's name. I don't know what's going on or what the resolution will be. But I, I just can't mess up this missions trip by you know, can it follow me on the plane? You know, I just, I don't yeah, know. And right. so, I'm, it, so he just looks at me for a while and he goes, man, I thought you were a man. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, I thought you were some tough guy. I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, so you're trying to serve the Lord with your life. The first time the enemy gets mad about it and messes with you over it, you're just ready to quit. <laughs> and so he walked me through what the Bible says about how to biblically resist the devil. Cause the promise is resi- resist the devil. He has to flee. Yeah. What does that look like? And what's the terror by night? You know, what's the terror of what's a night terror and you know, what's, what's a familiar spirit. And, and uh, so examples of Paul, old Testament, new Testament examples. And, and so it all clicked for me. I went home that night and uh, was immediately attacked by something that, 
sleep paralysis thing and feeling like I think it's really mad. It's going it really wants to kill me. And instead of panicking, and again, I, I don't, I'm just telling you what happened to me. I don't, you know, I just, I just ignored it. And for the first time in my life, I prayed to my father in heaven and I said, God, <laughs> if, if you'll have it, I'm going to serve you with my life, whatever that looks like, whatever pleases you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. This guy hasn't gotten the message. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going back. Uh, and the only way he can kill me is if you allow it. So his problem is actually with you. So I'm going to let you guys, he's going to, you know, he has to work this out with you. For me, there's no going back. If you'll have me, I'll serve you for all of my days, whatever, whatever capacity you want. I'm your man. Mm -hmm. Sorry about the big mess that I made. I can't do anything about that, but I'm, I'm completely repentant of that. This Yehu, he can go, I mean, man, he can go suck eggs. I'm done, you know? And I went to sleep for the first time in my life. I went to sleep in the middle of all that. And I woke up the next morning. And from that time to this day, I've never had the dream, right? Mm. There's been a couple times at key points in ministry uh, in my life where I could tell it wanted to happen. And I'm like, Lord, we already talked about this. No matter what, right? I'm. What am I doing? I'm resisting the devil, right? right? What does the word say? God, you're my father. I'm your son. I only exist to serve at your word, mm -hmm. right? The devil doesn't have to like it. Yeah. And so, you know, the only way, the only way you can kill me is if you allow it, right? You know, so since that time, there's been okay. I went on that trip uh, to Romania, and that's where I got called to the pastorate. Yeah, like everything was changed because of what God did. Everything changed on that trip. Yeah. So and I almost didn't go. So I, I love that story. If I would have not gone, there would have been no Midtown Baptist Temple. No, 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 no. There'd be no LFBI. Right. Yeah. yeah. The, the list is on and on. God's used yeah. you and and continues to use you. And so I. So I think for our listeners, that's kind of a sensational story. It's very personal. Most people aren't going to struggle with things like that. You know, uh, mm -hmm. people will. People are going to hear this and they're going to be like, "What he's describing, I I know about that. Yeah. Like that's something mm -hmm. I've been through." Yeah. Um, and uh, and for the, for for that, the information that you provided, even anecdotally, in terms of surrendering to the Lord and to His call and not being afraid of the enemy, is such a huge insight and a big yeah. help. Yeah, people, anybody that's wrestling with that, they need to find, it's real straightforward, right? You want to you want to be a, a, a bulldog for Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. You find out what the Bible says about resisting the devil and model, look at what Jesus did, right? It is written. Yeah. It is written. It is written. And the devil had to leave off tempting him. It's the way all demonic activity works, right? right? It's to get you to have a real reason to ignore what the Bible says and go along to get along mm -hmm. in some way. Yeah. And so you, you just got to be steadfast. So, yeah. so I think that's wonderful for people. And I think, though, that there is a broader context, there's a, there's a broader application to what you're saying. Because I think as Christians, we do want to serve the Lord, but sometimes we do, we do that in compromise yeah. And we need to be warned against compromise or taking shortcuts, yeah. whether it be in terms of knowledge, yeah. authority, power, promotion, yeah. Yeah. Uh, influence, yeah. whatever, like yeah. all of these shortcuts that we yeah. often want to take, 
will you warn us, um, just in, in your own words, based on what we've said, warn us against that? And why is it so important in the last of the last days, especially, to not indulge um, a spirit of shortcut or insight or influence that we're, we're so prone to? Well, I think you did just give the warning. I'll just sum it up with this. First Timothy 6.20 says, Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. That's the answer. And in doing that, what are you doing? Also, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called. In the last days, you know what Paul told Timothy, you're going to have people who do not want biblical truth. What they'll do is they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. I want somebody to I mean, man, God's word is pretty clear. He's He's a jealous God. He'll have no other gods before him. Mm -hmm. That includes you mm -hmm. being a God to yourself. What he is, I mean, Romans 12, what's the call? It's a call to being a, 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 a continuous living sacrifice. God's call to his people is total consecration. And, you know, man, I don't believe for a second I've arrived, okay? I, like every time I turn around, I have to... I have to recognize here's another element where I was following after. Here's another way in which, here's another thought pattern. Here's another way of speaking, way of, where I was following after the flesh. I wasn't mortifying. I wasn't, I wasn't living the crucified life. I wasn't presenting myself a living sacrifice. And then I have to agree with God over it. Man, that's sin. Mm -hmm. God, you deserve total obedience, total consecration, you 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 deserve to be God. Yeah. You know, and so so Paul's warning to Timothy is keep what's committed to you. Mm -hmm. Okay. What God said settles everything. If the word says it, that settles it. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that's really wonderful about the the approach to ministry, the philosophy of ministry and the Living Faith Fellowship. We have a faith-based view of God's word, but we also have a faith-based view of not just the word, but also the work, right? Um, we, we know that God's given us his word. We have the certainty of the words of truth, but we also have certainty in ministry. We have certainty in Christian living. Mm -hmm. uh, I say this here at MBT all of the time. Uh, our children, right, they're singing it out. They've got, this they got this thing figured out. It's trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And the Bible warns us away from sciences, these pseudosciences, sciences falsely so-called. Um, it doesn't warn us against legitimate, actual science. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing in scripture that would make you have to renounce your automobile and live an Amish life, right? right? Or not go to the doctor anymore. Not go to the doctor right. to have actual help for actual physical problems that have actual physical solutions, okay? But it does warn us against pseudosciences. Because there's going to be a lot of of quackery in it's the room last for the days. Devil. It's room for the devil to operate. So people are are using and believing in things that are not going to help them, mm -hmm. right? But then at the end of the day, they're going to function to undermine what was committed to our trust. Yeah, what, what's committed to us? The certainty of the words of truth, right? The things that we heard among many faithful witnesses that we're supposed to teach others also. Mm -hmm. They're going to serve to undermine all of these things. The Apostle right. Paul didn't have, he didn't have a, a, a counseling protocol with people that, that, that used pseudosciences, uh, you know, applied kinesiology, quantum mechanics, mm -hmm. uh, the power of the subconscious mind. He didn't, he didn't have those tools that he employed. 
he preached, he faithfully preached the word that was delivered to him, mm-hmm. you know? So, Tim, oh, Timothy, keep that which was committed to thy trust. Um, you know, there's doctrines of devils masquerading as a word from the Lord. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do we keep from being deceived? We have the written word of God. Yeah. Right? We would do well to take heed to it. That's right. the light that's going right. to guide our path. Yeah. So, yeah. That's Lord, help good. us. There's a lot of voices, a lot of, it's a cacophony of, you know, just voices clamoring for the attention of God's people. And it basically all sounds the same. You're not getting the results you deserve because you're not doing it the way we're showing you. And if you'll just do what we're showing you, it's going to transform your ministry. It's going to transform your life and you'll be rich on top of it. And, you know. Yeah. It's the, it's the Robert Johnson crossroads story and obey. Yes. Yes. Over and over and over again in our lives. And and we just have to learn that that we resist that voice and that we simply obey the words of God, heed and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Yeah. Sam, thank you for sharing. I mean, that's, those are kind of personal stories and, and your insight in terms of, of this topic. And so I'm, I'm really thankful that you took the time to do this with us. Yeah. Thanks for letting me. All right, man. Yeah. And we want to thank you. I love you too, brother. And we love you and we're grateful for you. And um, we are glad that you spent this time with us in the word. And uh, we pray that it was helpful to you. Ultimately, uh, we want to encourage you uh, listeners to, to consider what it means to have a truth or a knowledge that's not been hidden. You know, we've been talking about hidden truth and we've been talking about hidden knowledge and, and man's inclination to go and to seek false truths or, or to, to find easy paths uh, that will ultimately serve their flesh. It's a, it's, divination is just a, a form of idolatry and, and wickedness. Uh, what we're talking about is putting that away, but instead seeking a truth that's very plain. God has given us his divine word. He's spoken a truth to us and we have the ability to receive it and to learn from it and to be challenged in it, to be accountable to it, that we might obey it in every way that we could and that we can minister in light of it. And so LFBI serves to help you in that way. We wanna come alongside of you in your local church ministry and we wanna teach you things from God's word that you might be empowered to obey it in the context of your local church and the ministries that you're involved with. So if that interests you at all, Visit lfbi.org, learn about our program of study and the ways in which we teach you God's word. Uh, But with all of that said, we love you. We're grateful that you listen to the show. Please like it, share it. There's gotta be people you know where this story is relevant to them and and they need to hear it. Please share it with them. Uh, Leave a review, whatever it is you need to do, but we're thankful for you. And we will catch you again next week for another episode of The Postscript. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.